Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. I'm going to be talking about another topic that the AT Parenting community members voted on and gave me as an important topic to bring to you. And so I'm sure you're going to find this beneficial as well. And that is the impact of your child's anxiety or OCD on your relationship. And I said in the title marriages, just because you have to have short titles, but really I wanted to say any partner, any romantic relationship that you're in. It's just hard to write that in a quick title. And more often than not, our kids' anxiety or OCD is going to impact that relationship, regardless of whether it is a dating situation or it's a marriage or it's just a partnership. When we are approaching our kids' anxiety or OCD and we're trying to raise little people, that's hard enough. But when you add in anxiety or OCD, it becomes very tricky. And it's very rare for me to meet a couple that isn't struggling in some area around their child's anxiety or OCD. So I'm going to go over the common issues that I saw in my therapy practice, what people talk about in the AT parenting community. And then because I am very solution focused, I don't like to just sit here and complain about problems. I'd like to give you some solutions. So as I'm talking about the common issues, I'm also going to be talking about how to approach those and try to make them better. So before we get started, though, I do want to say thank you to NoCD. This episode is sponsored by NoCD, and NoCD offers affordable, effective, convenient therapy available in the U.S. and outside the U.S. You can schedule a free 15-minute consultation to see if NoCD is a right fit for you and your child. Just go to treatmyocd.com. That is treatmyocd.com. I will leave links in the show notes. We've got some NoCD therapists coming on in the next few weeks. I'm excited about that. We have a guest coming on to talk about themselves having OCD and how they parent and navigate with their own mental health issues as well. And I can totally relate to that. And I also have someone coming on to talk about these sexual topics that go around OCD that make us all uncomfortable, or maybe not everybody but some of us. So stay tuned for that. So don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss these episodes. We've got quite a few coming up. And I do actually feel like I was always thinking about where to start with this topic. And I started to think about, you know, my own struggles with my husband, you know, raising our kids with anxiety and OCD when he was alive. And I started to think about the many, many, many couples that I've met over the decades that I was in private practice. One of the most common complaints and common issues is the first one I'm going to talk about today. And so I think we can just dive into it. So I'm going to start just going through the common issues and I want to weave some suggestions and solutions as I bring up these common issues, because I want you to feel hopeful as I'm going through this. That's kind of my goal always when I'm doing any episode is to bring you information and to discuss struggles, but also to give you hope as we go through it, that there are some things that you can do and some approaches you can take that might make things better. And so I'm going to weave that throughout the episode as we talk about the common issues. 
So if you don't have some of these, stick with me because I'm probably going to get to something that you do have. (laughs) The first one that I saw so much in my practice is that the partner, and so this might be you or this might be your partner. If I was to stereotype and to just guess, the person listening to this episode is the person who's not going to have this issue unless someone's making you listen to this episode and then it might be you. But the first common issue, and it's not going to be all exhaustive, I'm not going to be able to list every issue that anxiety or OCD is doing to your marriage, but I'm going to hit the highlights. And so the first one is that they just don't even see the anxiety or OCD. So they might say, it's not a big deal. Or they might normalize it and say, don't kids do that? I mean, isn't that a kid thing? Or they might say, yeah, it's a little quirky, but don't we all have our quirks? So the partner who's saying this might minimize your child's anxiety or OCD, or or maybe you are the partner that is feeling like it's not that big of a deal. They may not want to pathologize their child, so they don't want their child to have a disorder. And so they don't want to diagnose something or make it official, you know, get a therapist or do anything because they feel like that's a bit overreactive. And then the other partner clearly sees the issue and they see that the child has anxiety or OCD. They see that they need to be proactive. They see that they want to work on this and they're getting a roadblock from their partner. So I, I want to bring this one up first because that is such a common one that as I was brainstorming, what I wanted to talk about related to this topic today I thought, you know what, next week I'm going to do this topic. I'm going to do why, I don't know what the title will be yet. It'll have to be short and snappy, (laughs) but it'll be something about being proactive. You know, why you want to work on anxiety or OCD, no matter how big it is. And I'm thinking that that might help if you have a partner who is willing to listen to, to a podcast episode we'll get to those that aren't even willing to listen to anything that might help because sometimes they don't want to hear from you. But if you can say, Hey, can you just listen to this podcast episode? And they are listening to a therapist. They're listening to an anxiety and OCD child therapist who has been doing this for over 20 years. And, um, that might have more validity to them to hear from a quote unquote expert or a professional as well as a parent who is raising three kids with anxiety and OCD. And so I thought maybe I can gift that to you. It's like a little gift to say next week, I'll talk about why we want to be proactive and help our kids early and not um, sit around and wait for it. And so that, that can be a big issue and it can show up in lots of different ways because it depends on the severity of the, the partner's inability to want to recognize anxiety or OCD. And We want, and this is going to be kind of hard for some people, but we kind of want to see it from our partner's perspective through our heart and not our brain. And so sometimes I know I could get defensive and get frustrated on various topics because if someone doesn't agree with me, then I'm like, oh my gosh, but I want you to see it my way. And I think in society, we're kind of doing this more often where it's like, I say black, you say white, it's left, it's right, it's this way, no, it's that way, you know, and there's like no middle in between. And I think when we're talking about our partners, we want to come from our heart. I know it sounds so cheesy, just stick with me for a minute. But we want to say, why are they reacting in that way? And 
you know, you could do a little like psychotherapy in your head. Just don't do it to your partner. They might say like, why, why do they not want to see this anxiety or OCD? And it might be that they have their own anxiety or OCD. And so it's triggering. And some people who have their own anxiety or OCD are more on top of it. And some people are actually not wanting to think that they genetically quote unquote gave their kids anxiety or OCD. So they become defensive or you can have a partner who feels hopeless. This is something I can't protect my children from. And so I don't want to acknowledge it. So it's fear-based for a lot of people, or they might have relatives. Like I don't want him to be like my mom or my dad. And so it's, it's based on their emotions around other people, or it might be about you, you know, to be honest, and this is going to be different for each one of you, but it might be that you have an anxiety or OCD disorder and your partner feels like you are giving it to your child, or you're seeing things that aren't there. And you're like pathologizing your child because of your own, I've been saying quote unquote a lot, but I have to just say it one more time. <laughs> Sorry, quote unquote pathology. Cause it's not like you will have any pathology, but that's how a partner might see it. So the first issue is that your partner doesn't see that anxiety or OCD exists or is a big deal. So maybe you want to get them into therapy, or maybe you want to get them help, or maybe you want to do exposures at home, or you want them to face their fears, or maybe you don't want to punish them when they're doing something that's anxiety or OCD based. It's going to be different for each one of you, but it's that, it's that disagreement that becomes a problem. And so where do you go from there? And the answer will be kind of similar for some of these, depending on the severity of it. So if you had a strong relationship before this, and this is the first crack in your foundation, you're probably going to be doing better than those of you that you know have many cracks in this foundation, and this is not your first rodeo. And so the answer is going to be different for each one of you, depending on your unique relationship with your partner, because there are people who probably need some marriage counseling or some relationship counseling. So if you guys disagree on a lot of stuff and you're bumping heads on a lot of things, it can also be part of that. It can be just, I, we're just not doing well. And so I would preface this entire episode with, if you're like, oh my gosh, I can't even talk to my partner about these things. And she's suggesting, you know, to say this to my partner or have my partner listen to this podcast. I can't even discuss, I can't even communicate with them then you want to, you know, look at a relationship therapist because it's like you guys are the glue that's going to that will hold your child together. And if you're not, you don't have to be a united front. And we're going to talk about this today. You don't have to be a united front. It doesn't have to be perfect. But if the relationship is beyond repair in your mind or the relationship is so tenuous that you feel like you can't even broach any of these subjects, not even like some of you might say I just have to find a good time or the right words. But if it's that bad, it doesn't have to be that bad in order to get a relationship therapist. I'm saying relationship therapist because some of you aren't married, but you do want that extra support because even if you feel like I don't have time to focus on my relationship because I have to focus on my kid, you know, that's where the issue is. That's where I have to put my energy. But I would argue that if your relationship is that bad, putting some energy into fostering that relationship and making it healthy will actually pay off because you'll be more of a united front and you'll be more supported and you'll feel more relaxed because depending on your relationship, that's kind of where we get our recharge. That's where we get our fuel or it's where we get de-energized. That's where we get drained. And so uh, attacking that 
and making that better in whatever way you can is going to be huge. It doesn't have to be perfect. And we will go through how it can be imperfectly perfect, but if it's totally broken, you're going to want to get it fixed (laughs) in some way or somehow, you know? So if your partner just needs some help, if they're willing to see or listen to some resources, you can find some quick resources for them. And so I will make you an episode. I promise you next week, if you're listening to this live, if not, you can go on my website at atparentingsurvival.com and you can search for it. I'm trying to think what the title will be, but I will try to come back and link it to this episode after I do it. I'll make a note to link it so that you don't have to go back and try to find it. But you can always search my website. If you scroll all the way to the bottom and you go to the search button, type in a keyword, type in early or proactive, probably early is like a keyword that I would probably use. But besides listening to my podcast, you can also, if you have a therapist, a child, if your child is in therapy, sometimes I would do this with the couples that I would work with more often than not, um, just to normalize things to make you feel a little bit better. I always met with a parent alone the first session and I would always recommend, highly, highly recommend and encourage that I meet with both parents the first session, at least, because I wanted to talk to the partner who may not be on board. So there was a method to my madness. I wanted to gauge what this family dynamic looked like. And so I could tell if one partner, and I'm going to stereotype now, stereotype, but that might be the wrong word. I'm going to generalize. I'm going to overgeneralize. So bear with me. But in my practice, so this is just based on my, the data of my practice, more often than not, it was the dad that had an issue with anxiety or OCD. Not always. Sometimes it was the mom. But statistically, it was disproportionately the, the male partner. I don't know why that is. I mean, I can theorize, but that's not the point of this podcast. It just was like that. And so when I had the dad participate in the first um, session, I could tell, was he being hostile to me or was he being defensive or was he trying to normalize things that were, I thought pretty abnormal or, or vice versa. You know, I'm not looking, I was looking at both, both parents just to see where we were going to start. A lot of times, most of the time I found a loving supportive couple who just wanted the best for their child. And even when that was the case, only the parent And I would have to say it was mainly the mom, but not always, but 95% of the time, maybe even higher. The mom was the one that continued to bring the child to therapy because the dad, you know, it was just like one was just going to do it. And the other one, they weren't going to both show up every single time. Some, some actually did. And that really made it more effective unless like the one partner didn't like kind of take over. Sometimes that would happen. Like the partner came, but he came because he wanted to like argue with me. And that actually took a lot of energy away from the child and the therapy, but more often than not, it was just because they were a united front and they wanted to show up and support their child together. That's amazing, but that's rare. And so if you are taking your child to therapy alone, that doesn't mean that your partner's not supportive. It's very, very common. You guys just can't do everything together and you can't tackle every problem with the same amount of energy. And we'll talk about that as we progress. But sometimes I would suggest you know, can I just meet with your husband alone without you, without your child, just alone to talk about why it's helpful to work on anxiety or OCD proactively and why some of the things that we're seeing need to be addressed in the way that I'm suggesting. And I was able to develop rapport and speak their language and, 
you know, reach them on a level that I wouldn't be able to do if I was kind of trying to manage the mom and the kids in one session. I was able to just really focus on the partner that was having a hard time. And so that might be something that you do. You might talk to your child's therapist and say, can you just meet with my partner alone and talk about the benefits of working on anxiety or OCD or why this is beyond typical and, and do it without me there so that it's not about me, you know, showing them up or proving they're wrong. It's just, they have the space to ask questions and not be on on the defense. So that's one option too. So it's educating your partner on why it's helpful. The other thing is if they're completely not willing And I'm spending a lot of time on this first issue. We'll spend a little bit less time on the other issues, but this is a really big one. But the other thing that I see is sometimes if you just talk about the approaches and drop the language, you know, of like OCD or anxiety disorder, but you just say, we're teaching our kids to walk towards discomfort or we're teaching our kids to be brave. A lot of times what I found is there was a misconception about what that label would mean or what it would mean to work on it. And some of the generalizations that I saw coming from partners who were in this boat were things like, he's going to use that as an excuse, or he's going to be more babied, or you know, he's going to just be you know put on medication and he's going to turn into a zombie. So you want to address those things with your partner and say, I mean, especially with my approach, it's just the opposite. Just because we're acknowledging their anxiety or OCD, it doesn't mean we're getting them off the hook. We're just approaching it in a different way. We're going to build their skills because they might see it as an excuse to not get punished or to not be consequenced. And what we want to convey to our partner is it's actually teaching our kids to to handle discomfort so that they can learn how to manage these emotions. And so it's not to make them quote unquote (laughs) too much, uh, quote unquote, a big baby or like a wimp, you know, I'm just using language that I've heard in my practice before, um, or coddle them. It's actually to make pretty strong, badass kids, in my opinion, excuse my French. I don't think that's French, but that's what we're doing. I mean, that's what I'm doing. And I'm really hoping that if you listen to my podcast, that's what you're doing too, is I'm making strong, resilient kids. They can handle discomfort. We went to Alaska. We were in like negative 22 degrees and my kids were amazing. And they were amazing because every day is like that metaphorically. They're sitting in complete discomfort for things that other people can just do without having any problems. And so I started yin yoga, <laughs> just a side note. Oh my gosh. I was very anti-yoga because I'm not stretchy, but having a back problem, having a shoulder problem. And I was like, it's physical therapy or yoga. And even though I was very anti-yoga because I'm not stretchy, I was like, I rather do yoga. So I'm doing yin yoga, which is very cool. But my whole point is, for those of you that don't know what yin yoga is, and I'm not going to do it service because it's I'm not like a yoga expert. And I just started a few weeks ago. But it puts you in these really uncomfortable positions, which are really good for your body. And then I'm breathing through them and I'm meditating, you know, I'm focusing on my breath. And I thought, and I, I can't do this because I'm not a yoga teacher, but I thought, what a beautiful practice for people with anxiety or OCD, because that's what we do. We sit in discomfort and we learn how to power through it. And this is just physical discomfort, but a lot of times we're powering through mental discomfort or sometimes even physical discomfort, whether it's our 
you know, something in our body or nausea or, you know, whatever it is that's manifesting physically. But that's what we're doing with our kids. We are actually teaching them to be incredibly strong. So I will add that to my podcast episode for next week, which will be more geared towards partners to listen to. This is geared towards you, but that episode will be, I will include that. So that might help some of you. All right. I want to move on. And so some other issues are blame. So people play the blame game. And this really hurts my heart when I see this, when I would see this in my practice and I hear about it in my AT parenting community now is people get stuck on the why. And I have, I think a whole episode on the why. And I will just paused to my pause the recording to go find that episode. I couldn't find it. So I feel like there was an episode that I had that talked about don't get stuck on the why. I don't remember what that episode was, but, and I'm sorry for that. But a lot of times we're looking for the blame. And again, this comes from fear. So much of our not getting along or anger or frustration really comes from fear. And if we can get past what's being thrown at us and look at the fear behind it, it can be helpful and it can kind of ground us and let us come from a little bit more of a supportive position instead of a defensive position. Because if you meet someone who's defensive with defensiveness than yourself, you know, it's like fuel on the fire. It's not going to be helpful. But if we start to try to put ourselves in the shoes of our partner, put down our defenses, really think about it. Like, why are they, why are they blaming me? Because I mean, that can really hurt and it can be very upsetting it comes from fear. It's like, we need to stop this. Something is happening and I want to stop it. And if I can blame someone or find why this is happening, then I have more power and control. And anxiety and OCD doesn't give you power or control. You have neither. And so a lot of times I've seen in my practice, you know, where a partner will blame the mother and I'm going to generalize, please know that it's not always that way, but it was disproportionately that way. So I do feel like I'm going to say it, even if it's, you know, politically incorrect, but a lot of times the dad would think that the mother is being too soft and that they're creating the anxiety or OCD. That was really common. You're causing it because of your own anxiety or OCD, or you're not tough enough on him, or you're not tough enough on her, or you give in all the time. And then the mom would say, but you don't see it. You know, you go to work and you know, she only comes to me with her problems or he only takes it out on me. And so you don't understand what it's like. And sometimes the kids won't do it for the other partner. And it's not because the other partner has a better parenting approach. Sometimes it's because they are a little fearful of the other parent or, or, and, or they know that that other parent doesn't get it. So they're not going to waste their time and energy. They're going to try to hold it together until they crumble for the other parent, which is not fair but then the other parent gets blamed. He works, he's fine for me, but not for you. Or when I, you know, when I'm with the kids and you're not home, I mean, it's a tight ship and they're fine. The minute you get home, everything starts to crumble. And sometimes that's for a lot of other reasons outside of, you know, your parenting. And a lot of times it's because you're the safe parent or because you empathize a little bit more. So the blame game is not helpful either. And I do have an episode, if you have a parent that's willing to listen to it, let me find it. It's episode 234, Why Consequences Don't Work on Anxiety or OCD. And that one actually might be really good for some of you who are dealing with that. Some of you may not be dealing with that. But if you go to my website, because I don't link these all the time, it's like a little bit too much. But 
go to my website at atparentingsurvival.com and then type in why consequences don't work on anxiety or OCD or even why consequences don't work and it will pop up for you. And so you'll find it that way. But again, it's about education and it's also about communication. And that's why I go back to having a therapist help you communicate like a relationship therapist, because you guys may not know how to communicate well together. You might come at your partner in a way that isn't going to be heard. And so if you start with, and I'm not a marriage counselor, thank the gods, because I don't do couples, (laughs) but everybody's got their thing. If you approach your partner and you say things like, you always blame me for everything. And you you always think it's my fault and it's not my fault. They're just going to get defensive and they're going to argue back. But if you say, you know, I understand that it's scary, you know, to, to see our child struggling like that. And I wish it was my parenting because then I could do something about it. But, you know, and I'm not going to coach you anymore because I think that a relationship therapist will be better (laughs) at that than me. But I do feel like how we approach, how we approach our partner and how we use our language can make or break things sometimes. So the blame game doesn't help. Another one is that sometimes partners have different approaches. And so one partner might be more old school, tough love, and another partner might be, you know, I've actually seen it. I kind of call it the seesaw parenting. I do mention it in the episode that I just referenced. This is the worst type of uh, joint parenting. And that is one parent who is authoritative and old school and, you know, just like let's discipline all anything out of our kids. And then another parent who is over coddling and over accommodating and wants to balance out their partner's really harsh parenting style. And so they overcompensate and they are incredibly coddling and enabling and accommodating. And so they don't empower their kids either. And so that those opposing parenting approaches very confusing to the child. And so they wind up canceling each other out. The child is kind of parentless because they have this really strict parent and this really overly permissive parent. And so the messaging is too confusing for the kid and it really adds to their anxiety or OCD. And so it can be a mess. And so you might be dealing with something severe like that. And in that case, I think it can be helpful to take on an approach that is therapeutic, but is also it helps you toe the line. And that would be the space program. So if you have different approaches that you're dealing with, and maybe you have that approach that I just talked about, that maybe you feel like I get my child and I understand, and I, I struggle with it myself. And so I'm more empathetic and my husband is, you know, short tempered or my wife, it can go either way. Or you might actually be more in the middle where you're doing what the therapist recommends and you're not over accommodating. You are not coddling. You're doing what you've been told. You're just not approaching some of the behaviors in disciplinarian sort of way. It still can be helpful to get one approach that you're both willing to do. And luckily there is a parent only approach that you both can follow. And I think it meets the needs of the parent who wants to be a little bit stricter, but it also addresses the need of the parent who wants to do a bit of rescuing. And it also helps the parent who's in the middle because it's a very effective approach. So it's a win all around. So I would definitely check out Ellie Leibowitz's space program. It is 
a program that's a parent-only therapeutic approach to anxiety and OCD, where you're pulling back your accommodations systematically, and it's a very systematic approach. There are space-trained therapists, there are space programs, and you can actually just get his book, which is called uh, Breaking Free from Anxiety, uh, Childhood Anxiety and OCD. And I actually do a space online study course. And so some people just like videos and they like somebody to actually walk them through it. And so I did do that for the AT Parenting community for free. And then I thought I should put this up in my school, my online school, because parents are asking me all the time for resources for them, you know, because you might have a child who's not willing to work on their anxiety or OCD, or you might have a partner who's not getting it. And so having like a formal approach can kind of rein all that in. So if you're interested in the study course that I created, you can go to atparentingsurvivalschool.com. That's where all my courses are on how to teach kids to crush OCD, how to crush anxiety, how to crush social anxiety, how to handle difficult behavior, how to handle sleep related to anxiety or OCD, and also the space program. So you'll find it all there. And that, if you have a willing partner, can be really helpful because you can say, you know what? Let's just do this together. Let's do this approach together because you doing your approach and me doing my approach is going to actually make the anxiety or OCD worse. And it will, because if I have one partner who is, I mean, it could be lots of different things. You can have one partner who is disciplining it. And so that makes the child more anxious or makes them hide their compulsions You can have one partner who is over-accommodating and that can be really frustrating. So maybe you're in the middle where, you know, you're doing what the therapist says and you have a partner who is just give him what he wants or just wash that down or just say those words. Like, what's the big deal? And so that might frustrate you that you have a partner that is giving into the anxiety or OCD and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and you see that you have a partner who's growing it. And so you might want to go and do like a formal space training program so that, you know, you can both get on the same page. There is, let me look it up what his website is. I think it's, hold on a second, space treatment.net. Space treatment.net is Elliot Leibowitz's website. And there is actually a directory of therapists who have been trained in the space program. So that's a great place to start because actually more likely to find, well, no, that's probably not true. But I was going to say it's, it seems like it's almost easier to find a space trained therapist than an OCD therapist, but they have a very big directory. And so you can check that out and see if you can get some guidance. It might be helpful to have a space therapist, you know, walk you both through parenting, and then you don't have to fight each other because you're just listening to the therapist. So that's an option. The next one is the frustration that maybe one of you is taking on the burden of helping your child with anxiety or OCD more than the other one. And so this is a a common complaint too. So maybe you don't have as extreme of the issues that I just talked about, or maybe you do, but either way, you might be having some resentment about how you're holding the fort down. Maybe you're the one taking your child to all the therapy appointments, or maybe you're the one listening to all the podcast episodes or joining online communities like the AT Parenting community or taking the courses and reading the books or doing the approaches at home or going to the psychiatry appointments and you're trying to fill in your partner, but you're also starting to feel resentful because maybe your partner isn't always wanting to learn or read or listen to that podcast or watch that video or go to any of these appointments. 
And maybe they're not as extreme as the other type of partner that I described where they are, you know, not believing in the anxiety or OCD, but they're just like, you got this. Thanks. (laughs) Right. And you're like, uh, no, I don't have this. And I didn't ask for this, but here's the, but neither of you can do everything. That's the beautiful thing about marriage and, or partnership or relationship, you know, is that it's divide and conquer. It's something I miss since my husband passed away because you don't realize how much of life is divide and conquer until you are a single parent. You're like, oh my gosh, I have to do everything. And even if you think you're doing everything, once your partner dies or leaves, you realize that you weren't doing everything. It's like you think you're holding something up and then someone else is kind of holding the other side up and then they leave and you're like, oh my gosh, this thing just fell on my foot because I didn't realize how much weight you were taking from me. And so maybe a pause for gratitude. (laughs) That sounds like a bitter widow thing to say, but you know, sometimes it's good to know that you have the help regardless of what kind of help you're getting. And sometimes you have to divide and conquer. So when my husband was alive, he wasn't really good with anxiety or OCD. He wasn't good with emotions, but we were yin and yang. And so we did compliment each other in a lot of ways, but eventually I had to verbally like list out our responsibilities. And I found that when I did that, even though he didn't like to be told what to do, and he'd say that, don't tell me what to do. He'd say that jokingly, but there was like a, not even an ounce. It was like a gallon of truth to it, but we'd divide and conquer. And I'd say, here's the deal. I'll take care of the kid's anxiety or OCD. As long as you approach it the way that I know that will be helpful. And I didn't even have to actually say that to him because unfortunately for him, he was living with an anxiety and OCD child therapist. So that was a little rough for him because he felt like he couldn't do anything right because you're living with like like an expert, you know, someone who like went to school for this and someone who who does this for a living. But he was very impatient with the kids and he didn't really, he wasn't empathetic with anxiety or OCD, but he was great with getting things done. He was great with fixing things. He was great with being there and being responsible and picking kids up or doing things that we needed. He was great you know, for a million other things outside of anxiety and OCD. And so part of it was my own mental shift to say, these are the things that he does that I, that I can't do or don't want to do. And I'm appreciative of the fact that he does them. And that can be helpful to say, what does my partner do? And, you know, things that I don't want to do. And it doesn't have to be about your kids, right? They do a lot of maybe things. And if they're not, then maybe you say to them, I know that it's hard to deal with their anxiety and OCD. And I get that maybe, you know, the kids come to me for those things and that's totally cool. That's fine. I'll deal with it. But it would be really helpful if you can take these other things off my plate. And then you give them things that they're more comfortable dealing with. Sometimes we actually have to divvy out responsibilities as a partnership and say, you do these things, I do these things. And there was a time with my husband where I was working, so I'm doing my online thing and I was doing my private practice. And so I was doing all my online work, which is a lot, by the way, because I have online courses and I do the podcast, I do YouTube and my AT Parenting Community membership takes most of my time. But then I was working Thursday, Friday nights in my practice and I was working all day Saturday. When he passed away, I stopped my practice so I can focus online and focus on my kids, but you don't need to know that. I just wanted to add that. But there was a time where I said to him, look, 
you know, I'll deal with this, but on Thursday and Friday night and Saturday, when I'm working in my practice and I'm doing my job, can you please do the dishes so I don't have to come home to dishes? And can you do the laundry on Saturdays? Because I do the, I did the laundry, you know, there's five, there were five of us. And so I was doing the laundry every day because it's a lot of laundry, a lot of people. And so I would say, can you just do the laundry on Saturday? So Sunday, the laundry isn't as much. And for, for my husband at that time, that's all I needed to say. I mean, he's kind of, he was funny that way. Cause he'd be kind of like, nope, not going to do it. Like kind of in a jokey, sarcastic way. And like, then that would be the end of the conversation. And I was like, that wasn't very helpful, but he always did it. He'd always pull through. And then he just didn't like to be told what to do, <laughs> like literally. But from then on, like the dishes were always done when I got home and the laundry was done on Saturdays and I didn't feel as resentful. I just needed to tell him that I was feeling a little overwhelmed. Your relationship may not be at that sweet spot where your communication is that good. And if it's not, then, you know, maybe a counselor would be helpful. I think relationship therapy is helpful for any couple, regardless of how severe their issues are, because communication changes and evolves and relationships need work like all the time. They're constantly evolving. So that's that issue. I think sometimes we get hyper-focused on wanting them to do more with the anxiety or OCD, but I think sometimes we have to be honest with ourselves and say, sometimes less is more in that area because they don't have the skills and they can't get those skills. Sometimes it's just innately not there. They don't have the patience or the understanding or the relationship with that child to do the things that you do. And that might just be the fact. And even if you want it to be different, it may not be able to be different. And acceptance is actually a pretty powerful tool. So accepting this is where it is at now. It may not always be like that, but this is where it's at. What other areas can can be removed for me? And then how you communicate that is going to be key too. Because if you say, you know, I'm doing X, Y, and Z, and you need to step up your game and do, you know, this so that I'm not doing it all, that's not going to be received well. But saying something in a more understanding way, and you know your partner best, so I'm not going to tell you how to speak to them, but I think how you approach it and what you say will make or break how they receive it. Okay. I have two more that I want to bring up. The next one is that they are the target of the anxiety or OCD. And so they either, and this can be different. So they either are the contamination or they trigger your child. Maybe they're like a bull in a China shop. They're just walking through the house, like saying all these things and triggering your child left and right um, in ways that are unnecessary. We don't want our kids to live in a bubble because that's not helpful. But some of our kids aren't ready to live, you know, totally like bubble-less, <laughs> bubble-delicious. And so we might be working on a process of getting them kind of into an environment where we don't have to tiptoe around. But maybe your partner's just coming in and like wreaking havoc and then your child melts down and they're out of control. And then your partner's like, do something about that. Wow. They have behavior issues. And you're like, oh my gosh, you just came in and riled them up and triggered them left, right, and center. And now, yeah, they're a puddle. And now you're angry with me because they're a puddle. That might be happening. And that could be very, very frustrating. Or they're hurt, right? Maybe they're hurt because your child has emotional contamination issues and they're a part of the target. You know, they can't be near their part, your husband or wife, or they can't hug them and they feel targeted. 
And so I do have a YouTube video on that. You can go to my website. And if you type in emotional contamination, there is a YouTube video that might help with that just to explain it. But that can be tricky too. And then when that is the case, if they trigger something, starting off with always saying something like, our goal is to get it to the point where um, he can do the dishes. But right now, like we're just doing exposures where he can touch a sponge or, you know, yes, right now when you come in and you say, you know, this, this, and this to him, he he's not able to regulate or able to handle that. And we're working towards that because I think the key is to let your partner know that you are working towards that, that they are working. So it's not the first thing out of your mouth isn't what your partner is doing wrong. The first thing out of your mouth is what you're hoping to build and work on with your child. That kind of lowers their guard when you say, I know that he's having a hard time with X and we're working towards getting him to be Y and we're making steps towards that, but he's not there yet. And so, and I, I always like to add the we instead of you, right? Like whenever I talk to my husband, I'd say, we just need to like be careful with what we say when we're talking about, you know, him being a baby because you know, that hurts his feelings and he's like already feeling vulnerable about da da da. And so, and I always reflect back when I would talk to my husband, because my husband was very sensitive to criticism and shut down really easily. Do you have one of those at your house? It made it really hard because our conversations had to be pretty short and I had to be very careful. I had to think ahead of time how I was going to approach him, what I was going to say, because if he felt criticized at all, about anything, he would shut down and that would be the end of the conversation. So I would say things like, you know, I notice that I'm trying when he comes home, like I notice he's in a really bad mood. And so what I've been doing is, you know, I just let him go, you know, upstairs and wind down and he just doesn't like to talk to people. So what I do because of that is like, I just give him a big amount of space. So I'm wondering if maybe when you come home, maybe, you know, don't talk to him for like 10 or 15 minutes, like I do. Um, that's helped me, and I noticed that he doesn't get as angry. So do you see what I'm doing there? Like that was a lot about me and a little bit about him, but the goal was all about him. <laughs> it, it sounds manipulative, but it's not. It's just like how to how to get someone to lower their guard enough to open their ears because we don't want to hit that defensive button, and that defensive button might be about criticism or blame, and so we don't want to trigger that so that the guard goes up, the ears go closed, and you make no progress with your partner. A professional can definitely help with that. So that's an issue. So we want to help educate them on how they're triggering our kids, normalize it, generalize it, so they don't feel like they're the target. Also, you can have them watch a YouTube video or listen to a podcast about the trigger so that they learn more about contamination OCD, or they learn more about misophonia and chewing, or they learn more about harm OCD or moral OCD. So if if your partner has a very short amount of attention that can go towards education of anxiety or OCD, because maybe they don't have time or they don't have the bandwidth or the interest, depending on your partner, then just, you know, curate it for them. Give them small little pieces of information that is very particular for your child's issue so that you are really maximizing your educational limits with them. And that can help. So they can say, oh, I didn't realize I was triggering them. Now I understand moral OCD. So I see when I do this, this, and this, why that's an issue. I, and 
you always want to add the component of we are working towards them learning how to handle discomfort and handle anything that's in their environment. But for now, this is where we're at. So that was triggering. And the last one that I just want to mention is for those of you that have a partner that do not live under the same roof. And I think that, you know, it would be, I know I wrote marriages on the title, but I think that it's important to also touch on before we wrap up the struggle when you are in two different homes. And so a lot of times parents get divorced and one household is very anxiety or OCD friendly and the other household isn't. And that can be very disheartening and overwhelming for the parent that is taking the child to therapy and doing all these approaches in their house. And then they go to the other partner's house and everything falls apart. Maybe their anxiety or OCD is accommodated, or maybe it's disciplined, right? Two extremes, but both not helpful. And they're not doing maybe their exposure homework, or they're not doing the things that they need to be doing. And there's no easy answer for that because we don't get to control other people, including our exes. And so that makes it really hard. And so the focus would be to really build that resiliency in your child directly and train them to do their own work. And so teaching them how to identify their own anxiety or OCD themes, teaching them how to do their own exposures or ERP, the gold standard treatment for OCD. That skill is something that therapists teach kids and parents can teach their kids. It's what I teach in all of my courses. And that's kind of my MO anyway, is to teach you to empower your kids so that they are independently motivated and running their own little therapy thing going on in their head. <laughs> that was a mess, but do you know what I mean? So for instance, my kids, if they go to school and they're triggered, they will come back home sometimes and they'll talk about how they had an intrusive thought or OCD was bothering them about this and how they ate the food anyway, or how they sat in their discomfort and they didn't do this, this, or this that they would normally do. And so that's that's our ultimate goal, no matter what, is to make our kids resilient enough that they can identify their own anxiety or OCD themes or triggers and know that they want to walk towards their discomfort or towards their fear. And I say both because sometimes it's not a fear. Sometimes it's a discomfort or a feeling. And to push the edge of the limits and find that edge of the limit where they can sit in that discomfort and grow their ability to tolerate what is around them. That's the ultimate goal. And so regardless of whether you have a child going back and forth through two different houses or is under one roof, the main power is to really give our kids the tools themselves. And that's what I teach in my AT Parenting Survival School is to give you guys the power to have the knowledge, therefore you can teach your kids and then they're up and running on their own. Now that takes time and it doesn't happen for every kid very quickly because they might have different motivational issues, but you can also offer reinforcers. And so let's say they had to do exposures and then they have to go to their other parent's house. You can say, you can text me and you can earn points. And so you can still do it that way if they are able to text you. Or I know with clients that I worked with in my direct practice, sometimes I didn't want the parent to have to babysit their exposure homework. And so sometimes we would agree that I would text them something triggering 
and they would respond with whatever we had agreed on. And so I was able to get them to do their homework, regardless of whether the parents were reminding them to do their, their therapy homework or not. And so sometimes we have to work around people and not with them. And if you have a partner or an ex-partner that you can't work with, then you have to work around them. And the more you come to that acceptance sooner than later, the better that you can be like moving on. Because I think a lot of times people are banging their head against a problem that isn't going to budge. And if the problem isn't going to budge, and that's whether your partner is an ex and they're living in another house, or you are living with this partner, you are maybe even married to this partner, and they're not going to budge. You don't want to waste a lot of energy trying to you know, fit a square peg in a round hole. You want to acknowledge, okay, this isn't going to change. Maybe this person isn't able to change. How do I work around this? And that can be through many of the different things that we discussed today. It might be, let's just work on our communication. I just think we can improve our communication, then we can actually get past a lot of this stuff in a, in a more healthy way. So relationship counseling has been kind of the number one suggestion for this episode. But also maybe I have to acknowledge that you're not good with anxiety or OCD. And I have to have a conversation with you about other things that you're going to take on. Or maybe you already take on a lot of stuff and I just have to let that go and know that that resentment that I'm holding on to is not helpful for either one of us or our relationship. And as long as you're following what I'm asking you to follow and you're doing what I'm asking you to do, and you're staying in your lane, you're not making it worse for the kids, then maybe I need to just accept that. Now, a lot of you may not be in that area. I mean, that's where I was, was my husband was doing a lot of other stuff. He helped out, but I had to just acknowledge and accept that anxiety and OCD wasn't going to be his thing. I didn't like it when I thought he made it worse. And I had to watch my words when I, I didn't like the way he talked to the kids or he would say something that I felt like wasn't really going to help. But you know what? So does my 18 year old. She does that all the time now. And they do it to each other. They say things that I'm like, zip it, zip it. <laughs> you know, like, don't mention that. Like, he doesn't need that bit of knowledge in his head. That's not going to help. So it happens with human beings. It just, it is just part of a family dynamic. But it can always improve. And if you have a willing partner on any level to make things better, you know, then you have something to work with. And that could be at any level. So you might say, I don't have a partner who's willing to work on it. Well, they may not be willing to work on anxiety or OCD, but are they willing to work on your relationship? Are they willing to work on communication? Are you guys willing to work on feeling like a united front in other areas? Because that will help you. That will energize you. If you feel like you're loved and you feel like your partner appreciates you, in all other areas, even if you don't master the anxiety and OCD component, you're going to feel more energized, more aligned, more loved, more appreciated in order to serve your kids with anxiety or OCD in the best way that you can and that you are capable of. And so sometimes we have to look at a problem sideways and not head on. And so maybe just take a different view of your issue and see where you can tackle it. And hopefully you have, you know, some clay that you can work on and you can mold and you can develop into something beautiful because this isn't, I'm going to end on a woe is me, but not everybody has a partner and that's not a choice that some people have. And so if you have something to work with, 
and something to value, which you may not. And that's a whole other conversation, right? If there's nothing there, if your clay is completely dry and you can't mold a thing on it, then maybe you have a clay problem. (laughs) I didn't mean to laugh. It's not funny, but you know, you got to laugh at these things. But if you have something, you have something more than nothing. And that is, that is a gift. And so what are the gifts that you have at your house and what things are you going to flourish? And it may not be in the way that you had hoped, but I'm hoping to inspire you to look at it from a different perspective. So, well, I hope that you found this episode helpful on any level and stay tuned for next week because I am going to do the one about being proactive and dealing with anxiety and OCD issues sooner than later. Maybe that'll be the title. Why you should deal with anxiety, child anxiety and OCD sooner than later. I should write that down. Okay. I just paused. I wrote that down. That will be the title. So you can go ahead and search for that title on my website at atparentingsurvival.com. Why you should deal with child anxiety or OCD sooner than later. I'm telling you that now because I'm going to forget to put the link. I'm not going to come back to this episode. My AT Parenting Community Manager is on maternity leave. And so I'm like trying to cut out any extra work that I have. And so you can just check, you can just do a search and you can find that episode if you're listening to this past that date, but that'll be the next episode, episode 259. And so I hope that helps you as well. I hope that you find these episodes in general helpful. If you find my episodes helpful, I appreciate it. If you can hit a star on iTunes or Google play or wherever you consume your podcast, that really does help. And if you have a few extra moments, if you can write a review and let other parents know why you value this show, that is huge. People do read those things and it does help. And I always like to end my show reading one of them. If I have one, which I do, I want to thank uh, Piper Grandma for writing a review. They wrote a life preserver for parents. Natasha Daniels shares a wealth of information, insights, and helpful suggestions for parents of children who struggle with anxiety or OCD. Her resources, which include this podcast, YouTube videos, the AT Parenting Community, books, and online classes are amazing. It's as if someone has thrown you a life preserver and you can begin to keep your head above water. Thank you, Natasha. Oh, well, thank you for writing a review. I really appreciate it. That's very kind of you. And I hope that you find these resources helpful. If you are writing a review, maybe I'll be reading your review next time. And please, above all else, don't forget to find the sparkle in everything you do. There's a sparkle out there somewhere. Find it, hold on to it. And I will talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. 